Michael, I just checked the New York Times bestseller list, and it appears that Lance Archer's new children's book, Everybody Dies, is not performing quite as well as the classic children's tale, Everybody Poops. It's certainly no good night moon. This and other erudite literary facts coming up on the Miss Spots podcast. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> So getting that all out of the way, we watched some wrestling, loosely, loosely classified as wrestling. Um, you thought so? It, the, the, at least that's what it's classified as, I, I would say, on, from a television perspective. Before we start talking about this, Mike, let me ask you a question. We both, if... I am the typical curmudgeonly, not yet 40-year-old that just wants to see some wrestling and complains about all these damn kids doing all these damn moves. If on that scale, if I'm a 9 or an 8, I'd say that you're a 6 or a 7. I'd say that most of the time we are, are in agreement about the philosophy of things, but when I say something like Chuck Taylor is god-awful— You'll say something like, well, I like Chuck Taylor. Like, I like yeah. some of the comedy stuff he does. You don't think that he's a incompetent professional wrestler, as I do. So you are, you're, you're more, you're more generous to a lot of the stuff that we both kind of don't love, but you're much more generous to it than I. It's been a year of AEW. When you watch a show like this, are you still enjoying it? So or are you... Uh, are you checked out like me in so many ways? My my issues after a year of dynamite have nothing to do with that type of stuff. Is the the uh, the things that I think bother you a lot don't bother me as much uh, in the sense of the comedy being added in. I just think that they're fucking terrible at carrying a storyline. Uh, I, I I don't think that they start stories right. I don't think that they know how the middle goes. And they're not very good at how it ends. Like, <laughs> which, which, which means that they're not argued, good at stories. It could be argued that those are the three most important parts of a story. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> the beginning, much. the middle, and the end. They do everything else right. They, <laughs> they just can't get that beginning, middle, and they end. They have done. hella good performers. They have hella good wrestlers, um, and a lot of them can put on good matches with one another. But the stuff that goes on to create these stories uh, seem they're they're WWE in nature at some points. They're just completely thrown out there nonchalantly, so quickly, and then with an expected payoff so quickly. Um, and for the ones that seem to take a while too, 
they lose momentum. They lose their heat because they take weird tracks off to the side that don't make any sense. Like if you would have asked me probably nine months ago now, when this whole Omega hand hangman thing started, I was, I would have been like, there's no way they can fuck this up. They did. And you know what? I know that there's a lot of people who would be like, well, the fucking pandemic fuck off. Like, they they had about three months of Hangman not being on TV from the pandemic, sure. But they could have still gone with their story. They could have roped that into the story, and they still could have created something great out of that. How, how, about, just... how, how about FTR coming into the company with this huge online feud with the Young Bucks? The FTR coming in as baby faces ostensibly because they didn't necessarily have a manager. They wanted to bring respect back to the tag team division, cut total promos. The first people they fought were heels. So FTR comes in as baby faces to set up some kind of match with the Young Bucks. Somehow FTR turned heel, not by any action, but they just are one day. And then the Young Bucks are just heels as well one day. So you found a way to do none of the things that you could have done. I can't think of how you could fuck that up. I mean, I don't like the Young Bucks, but I would have wanted to see a match with FTR and the Young Bucks. And if it was Babyface versus Babyface, kind of sure, okay. But then they had a chance to be Babyface versus Heel with FTR being Heel and the and the Bucks being the Babyfaces, and then they found a way to turn the Bucks Heel for no reason anyway. Yeah. And... Still trying to set this match up, maybe, kind of, sort of. I mean, that's just idiotic. Another perfect opportunity to do something that might have actually moved the needle and gotten the show more interest and in, in better storyline and better continuity. It, it, it's crazy to me because when when this thing first started, the hype built around this was that of, like, uh, TNA when they finally got their got their legs under them and like the when the company was built around the X division when you had uh, AJ and Joe and Daniels and even when Angle first came into the company like those guys helping put that company on the map and put on great matches like all like I was watching TNA at that point uh, because that was what I wanted to see in wrestling. And what I feel like we have now is some of that middle area TNA, like when Hogan came about and uh, all of the, uh, the just the WWE named guys who they could throw money at and like, hey, come on over here. And like this is this stuff isn't making any sense, and it like it it pushed me away from TNA, and it's pushing me away from AEW, and I don't want it to be because there are people who I really care about as performers on this show, uh, a lot of them, and even ones who this show have made me uh, care about. Uh, like I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about. Lucha Bros, and I understand that they are a good tag team. They're athletic people. They need a little bit of direction with formulating a match, but 
they are <laughs> extremely good performers. Uh, like, they're very athletic, and yes, they they can do some really cool shit. I and I like John Moxley. I like Best Friends. Uh, the, the, I I Hangman, like Hangman is probably like if if you were to put a gun to my head and say who's your favorite wrestler in the in the world right now, I'd probably say Hangman, because there's something about him in real life, combined with the character that we had for a little bit of time that I'm like. I can relate to this dude and I love this dude and I want to see nothing but the best things for this dude. How, how do you feel about his now depressed alcoholic phase where he misses his friends and wants to be just wants to be friends again? Uh, is that would you think Stone Cold Steve Austin in uh, 1997 no. would have gone got o- gotten over with that personality? No. <laughs> it it also hits a little a little close to home as as two people who work in an industry that makes alcohol uh, when you see a person like as a character having issues with it it's like oh god it kind of I'm like I make the stuff that he's having as being a vice right now. Dude, so it's listen. it's a, it's a weird thing. Listen, when they did this angle with the Road Warriors in and Scott uh, Hall, and it's always yeah. worked out good. Those yeah. stories are gold. We know it's a can't miss storyline. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just watched so many of these matches, and and listen, let's start talking about these matches. So the first match on the card, I, if you broke this match into the first half and the second half, love the first half. Yeah. The first half of this match was wrestled in the ring. It was a competent, well-paced tag team match. The wrong guy was the person to come in and make the comeback because I I don't like Chuck Taylor. He looks like he's going through the motions. He's not athletic. He's unimpressive. I I don't think he's a good wrestler in any way, shape, or form. Uh, And having him bump around people in FTR that look like they could beat up four of him at the same time and having him shoulder block them to the ground just looks ridiculous. Uh, if you would have had Chuck Taylor uh, taken the heat segment and having uh, Trent come and make the, make the, uh, the comeback, that, that would make sense. But first I, of all, I will give you that. No doubt. Trent is the better of the two. Yes. In the ring as a performer. He's more dynamic. He's a better professional wrestler. Even if you don't agree with me on my assessment of Chuck Taylor, I respect that. But I think we both agree that Trent's a better wrestler. So switch those roles around. Everything in the first half of that match was clicking. It was the best, best friends match I've ever seen. It was a wrestling match. And then, like all AEW matches do, they just inserted... 75% 75% more bullshit than anyone ever needs. They went to the outside for a long segment that involved an arcade cabinet being smashed. I started counting the second both guys got to the outside. I was on seven, and I was being slow. I was going one, two. That was my cadence. I was on seven when the ref was on two. Also, on the outside of the ring. Let me let me ask you. I thought AEW has a 20 count on the outside. I have no idea. They haven't mentioned it in so long because there's no reason to mention it because AEW It just doesn't matter. No. <laughs> yeah. AE, this is the rule. AEW has has enough time on the outsides as 
relates to that match. So they've got as much time as it needs for the spot that they've set up. So if it's 40 seconds, they've got 40. If it's, if it's, they have to come in and beat a count on five, they can have five. And it's just so stupid. It, it's, it, it just kills the pacing of the match. They did a bunch of bullshit. They had all the, illegal men in the match way too involved doing spots inside the ring outside the ring just a bunch of stuff that wasn't necessary and i just hated it i hated the second half of that match they 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 stuffed in 20 ideas when one would have done they should have just done this match and had a good pro wrestling match and have ftr have them cheat to win FTR is the best tag team in the business. They can go over clean with best friends, but they don't have to. Have them cheat. That's why they're heels. <laughs> Let people fucking hate them because you know what? We know they're good enough to beat them, but they still cheat because why not take the advantage? Yeah. So uh, love the first part of the match. Nothing but praise for it. Uh, but the second half of the match, just everything sucked. The, 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 the spot with the belt. Why was the referee ducking? You know why the referee... Okay. You know why the referee was ducking? You know why the referee was ducking? Because him ducking was written into the script. Yeah. That's exactly what it looked like. They even showed replays. If you saw that in a truck, you, you, Mike, have you ever produced a television show? There was this one? No. No. Neither have I. If either one of us who's never produced a television show saw that as the replay and saw the way that looked, we never would have put that back on television and <laughs> highlighted it. Never would we have highlighted a guy ducking for no reason just so he couldn't see a belt spot. So this was overbooked. This was everything. This was at the start, everything that could be great about AEW. And then near the end, everything that's terrible about AEW. Yeah, uh, I was enjoying the the match for the most part, and then it, yeah, we had the traditional breakdown uh, that started to lose me, and that that ending spot, uh, like I when when I saw the the belt be used the first time, I was like, oh fuck, here we go, Chekhov's gun, gonna have to gonna have to come back up again later. And it wasn't that long after that Knox, like, like, what are you doing? Like, did, did you see a bird? Like, I know you're in an open air arena. Did a bird come in? Did you, did you think it was coming at you? Birds are still a dragonfly. I, I have had yeah. a bird come at me before. It's, <laughs> it's not a pleasant experience. Fucking mocking birds are dickheads, but, uh, you heard it like, here first folks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like the finish that, and and then yeah, all the cabinet stuff just to is is just this to segue them into a feud with Miro and Kip, and I, of course it is, and I'm fine with that. I like planting seeds, but it did not have to take this huge chunk out of that match and put a big bullseye on it. They could have done it in the backstage. There's so many other ways they could have done this. The other thing that that frustrates me, and this, there were two spots in this that I noticed in this particular broadcast, 
where people were waiting around for someone to do something. And you saw with uh, FTR setting up what used to be called the Shatter Machine, which I believe is called the Goodnight Express at this point. Mm -hmm. And they were just waiting for Chuck Taylor to come in and break up the spot. And he was two seconds late. But that's an eternity in a pro wrestling match. And it exposes everything. And listen, this is live TV. Guys make mistakes, but... You know what? The really good ones don't. The really, really good ones. You you see someone, you go, they're that far away. There's no way they're going to make this save, and they do it. There's timing. There's repetition. There's ability. And FTR had five or six breakup spots of pins that were perfectly executed. And Chuck Taylor's two seconds late, and it looks ridiculous. Later on in the night, you had Hikaru Shida mugging for the camera and making funny faces and screaming, waiting for Big Swole to knee her in the back. And another situation where it yeah. was two seconds, it felt like an eternity. Because at one point, she actually had to look behind her like, are you going to come and hit me? These are the little things that a professional wrestling operation should look at and go, this is unacceptable. If you can't get timing down... Don't do spots that require that kind of timing. And, and, and you know, I, I'm sure that they give people, they want to give people the benefit of the doubt and they want to allow them to do things like this. But, you know, like, I feel like sometimes you got to earn the ability to do things like that. You shouldn't just be given whimsical time and be like, you go do whatever you want. Like, Keep it no, simple. Until, until you can prove that you can do something efficiently, you don't get that time. The AEW in particular, even before COVID, they were not a touring brand. They did not do house shows, right? Yeah. So even though these guys are working independence and doing their things, I'm sorry. You've got a lot of untrained wrestlers. You've got a lot of people who... Worked in backyards and learned how to do some good moves. And some of them are very good and have learned well on their on their own. But when you got a, got a, lot, a lot of talent like that, they've got to prove, like you said, that they can do this stuff on live TV. And a lot of the times you would do that, you would work out these spots and house shows. And you'd yeah. work through some of these things. So the time it came live or it was live to tape or whatever it is, you had it tight. We don't have that with AEW. So what you have is a bunch of guys going out there and just doing stuff. And a lot of times when it comes to the wrestling, the the stuff on the mat, it's over their head. But they're still doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it comes to some of these other things. It's just not polished. And it's a big problem. And it makes it look like an amateur operation. There are times when things happen in AEW and I go, oh, that, that wouldn't be out of place in a barn in front of 50 people. And even with some of these indie guys, like you have those who just have never crossed paths with one another before. They like you could have two guys who have been perpetual indie wrestlers for the last 10 years, but maybe have only been in the ring with each other twice over those 10 years and don't really have chemistry, don't have the 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 knowledge of like who should be the one calling things. And, and it just doesn't look right and that's where like you said the touring and the house shows come into play and can really help 
with things like that. I mean, sometimes you just happen to have a person who can probably carry anyone uh, in a match and can make make something look good. I'm I'm looking at all three members of SCU who I feel like oh, they're you wonderful. could put you could put all three of them into a match with almost anyone and they can make it look great. Uh, they can, they definitely can and, and there's definitely lots of talent on the roster but for the most part they make it they try to put on WWE style angles and all this stuff when if they just kept it a little bit more simple it would be a better presentation altogether this match was a perfect example of it now we've been talking about it forever but this match was going in a very good direction to put on an excellent tag team match with a heel and a babyface team, we understand it stood at all, and then he made it unnecessarily complicated at the end for no reason, and and made it just a meh another AEW tag match. I forgot my yeah. hashtag. <laughs> uh, um, we should we should move on though. Well, I I thought we had kind of moved on because we were talking about Sheeta uh, a little oh, bit okay. here. So let's let's just finish off sure. with uh, talking about that women's match. Um, with Sheeta and Redundant, and <laughs> thank you. Uh, the, so I had texted you that I just cannot get any sort of big match feel from, and I I said Sheeta matches, but I almost feel like most women's title matches in AEW because. I don't know, like just none of the matches come across as being important or being having much stakes to them. Like there are and we've talked ad nauseum about the AEW women's division lacking, like only having a few, maybe less than a few names that really are star powered. Uh, and carry uh, Nia Jax being one, Britt Baker when Ni- she's Ni- not put Nia into Jax. Nyla Rose. Oh, sorry, that's okay. <laughs> you always call me out every time I fuck up, so I had I, to do it. I to deserve you. that. I deserve yeah. it. Uh, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker when she's not in a stupid segment. Oh my god, uh, they're, like they're so she has she has so much star power, really written all over her. But like Sheeta just doesn't do it for me, like. And and Big Swole doesn't either. So the fact of this being the one-year anniversary of this show, title match, that I can barely care about the challenger or the champion is tough. Yeah, man. I Listen, Sheeta is a... Here's the problem. Who the fuck is Sheeta? What's her character? We we know nothing about her. We've seen a few vignettes. She she She's just... She is a competent professional wrestler that could absolutely fit into the mid-card of a women's division. 100%. She can do some decent things in the ring. She has good size, you know, at least height-wise. And she doesn't embarrass herself at all. She doesn't go out there and do bad spots for the most part. Unlike Redundant, Big Swall, who just looks like a fish out of water every time she performs. Uh, I haven't seen a... I haven't seen a good big swole match yet i didn't see one tonight i probably won't see one next week um so we have you have no character you have mediocre to poor wrestlers 
the only people that have character, Nyla Rose, maybe not a great wrestler, but she does her stuff well and is believable. Britt Baker, not a great wrestler, but has personality and when not booked into terrible segments that make me cringe, also also has the ability to sometimes do a great promo and make me go, this is what professional wrestling is supposed to be. She is the most hot or cold character probably in the history of pro wrestling. So you've got a few people in this division that could carry it, should be the flag bearer, but they have the title on someone who is meh. And they're having challengers come out of the woodworks that are meh. So they're just making really poor decisions. Nyla Rose should have won that title from Riho and just carried it and just carried it and just beaten the piss out of every single solitary person possible until they found somebody Chris Statlander, maybe one day down the road after they've built her up. They've built nobody. AEW has it in their mind that anyone they put on TV is over. You know, the famous um, Jim Cornette thing where, you know, if they come out of a box, they're over. Do you know that that no, meme but... and that conversation? Um, you have um, Vince Russo has made the joke, and he did this on, on The Dark Side of the Ring, that Jim Cornette's so old school, he and so out of touch that he just says, well, if they come out of a box, they're over. AEW thinks if they put them on their on TV, they're over. Well, they're on TV. They're on cable. 750,000 people saw them, so they're over. No, none of these people are over. None of them. There's like three stars in the whole show. And by the way, the Young Bucks aren't stars. And Kenny Omega's not a star. Yeah. They're just guys that got over in Japan. And you've never told us why we're actually supposed to care about them. You've never done the work to get them over. Adam Page got over on its own. MJF got over. Moxley came and Jericho came from the WWE. So they're over. But they're just putting people out there and like, well, Big Swole beat Britt Baker in one of the worst professional wrestling matches. If you want to call it that in the history of the man- <laughs> of mankind. Do not call it that. Yeah, please don't. She has a redundant name and can't really wrestle, but she's over because we put her on TV and now she's in a title match. They don't take the time. They don't do the work. And that's the biggest problem with the whole show. You could get someone with limitations over, like Big Swole, if you did the work, but they don't. So they don't ever reap the benefits or the rewards. They book this show. They love Nitro, right? They love WCW. (laughs) They do all these homages to WCW. They're on TNT. They're booking this show like WCW in 2000. It's just week to week. They don't, they're, it's not a six month plan for anybody. It certainly wasn't a six month, nine month year plan for Lance Archer. They just throw him into matches and they expect us to be scared of him and then they beat him and then he goes away. So, yeah, the women's division is a fucking mess. This match was just a thing that happened that no one could get invested in because how can you get invested in it? Yeah. Um, all right. So, where do we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Miro uh, and okay. the team that I've dubbed uh, the Contrived Friends. We have the best friends. These are the Contrived Friends. 
because it makes no sense that Kip Sabian and Miro would ever spend any single solitary moment together. Uh, they beat some dudes. And then, guilty pleasure, Miro cut a pretty cool promo. Yeah. He screamed in Bulgarian, which is something we've seen before. And then he just kind of was a badass and said, I'm just going to freaking destroy you very simply in English. Yeah. Okay. Let's get rid of Kip Sabian and just have you do that. Maybe you could get over and be a star by beating people up. Crazy thought. It's absurd. Uh, but yeah. Take away the fact that he said about, like, you broke my buddy's game. Stupid. Uh, uh, granted. But very stupid. I mean... Extremely stupid. He was so believable in his intensity and his delivery uh, and i i also love that he like whether purposefully or or inadvertently called them the good friends yeah oh no that like, that was definitely because he always did that with with calling him bob rude yeah that, like, that's a cute I, I thought that thing. that was purposeful yeah. but i i was like dude get this get this guy by himself like he doesn't need Kip. Like Kip needs him more than anything. And like, I get if you want to, like, <laughs> this. When when a guy needs help, you give him a manager. When the guy and the manager can't get over, you gave him a tag team partner who's way more over than them. Like, I, I just liked it. It was simple. It was short and to the point. It was about a destroying a, you know, an arcade cabinet. That's dumb. But I, I could see it going. And listen, the contrived friends versus the good friends. I'm not shocked and happy to see it. But if it means that Miro gets over, great. Yeah. If it means Miro comes out smelling like roses and breaks off as a single star, I can see it. They've done nothing to show they're going to do that. He's looked terrible and awkward and weird. We didn't even talk about the week before when he was in a segment, uh, a pre-tape with some guy from famous video game player that they never even mentioned. And expect the, the, I don't even a remember that. AEW don't it doesn't even expect us to know who wrestlers are who have never been on TV in the United States. They expect us to know who random skateboard people are and random people from the video game world that were in uh, documentaries about Donkey Kong. They expect us to know everybody. I don't know any of these people, and I'm a wrestling fan. At some point, maybe you should cater to me. I buy tickets. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on. Let's talk small about a part, singles match. But Small part. Joey fucking Janela is in the freaking tournament to crown a number one contender. Joey fucking Janela hasn't won a match on television in a year. And he qualified in some bizarre way to be in this tournament. You either have a shit roster with nobody who wins matches or you made a big mistake. I'm going to ask... You would be, as we were texting back and forth, you make more sense in that role because at least your wins and losses are equal in AEW I, Dynamite. I turn, I turned down a spot in this tournament because I was like, ah, sorry, Tony, 
I know that we go back a long time, uh, but I don't deserve a spot in this. I, my, you know, I'm a little and, rusty in the ring. And neither, and neither does Joey Janela, but he took it. Go on. Let what me, what, what uh, match are we going to talk about? Well, first, I want to ask you a question now. You, okay. you brought this all up because there is a person who I feel like should be in this tournament. We haven't seen him in a while. And I, not that I, I expect you to know the answer. This is a hypothetical question. Where the fuck is Pac? <laughs> well, listen, there's, uh, there are still travel restrictions, I'm sure. And listen, we, we, we are still under a pandemic, a global pandemic. I know, so, but I want him back. Well, listen, <laughs> I first want of Pac all, back. First of all, <laughs> Death Triangle. We we hardly knew I ye. I didn't say I wanted that back. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying we hardly knew ye. That happened for one thing, and then a pandemic happened, and now yeah. they're hanging out with my plumber. But uh, I I don't I don't know where Pack is, man. I wish I did. Uh, uh, I uh, I also have to comment because I think you were going to transition into the Cody match. Yes, I was. But good. Before that, good we job. had the MJF and Jericho segment. That was before and, that. Yeah. Okay. And what I what I have to say about this, MJF is rapidly approaching Dwayne Johnson level promos in the fact that he can make terrible and unwatchable segments bearable. Yeah. Because there were times during this promo when he was talking to himself, okay, Max, do it, do it, you know, yeah. uh, you know, swallow your pride. It was dumb. I didn't like it. But coming out of him and in his delivery, I kind of sort of got it. The the famous This Is Your Life segment with Mick Foley and The Rock, the highest rated quarter hour or whatever in the history of professional wrestling, is some of the worst television that has ever been recorded. It would have worked well as a WCW segment in the 2000s. But The Rock and Mick Foley, because they're so charismatic, made it bearable to watch. It still sucked. Yeah. I, I wouldn't watch that fucking segment if you put a gun to my head. Because it's terrible TV, and anyone who says otherwise is a fucking moron. But The Rock and Mick Foley were charismatic, and they did enough with it because they're good. MJF is getting to that level. Because I liked parts of this. I hated other parts, but I still wanted to watch. Because MJF is great. Yeah, I I get what you're saying there because Jericho still has a great charisma about himself. And, he does. He does. And there were certain things about uh, that he did in this that were that were fine. Like we had some some straightforward heel Jericho work in this, but then it like it's like he's coming in and out of consciousness as a as a straightforward heel. The, Chris he Jericho, mixes some of the silliness in there. Chris Jericho is a comedy wrestler. I'm sorry to break it to you. In yeah, in 2020, Chris Chris Jericho is a comedy wrestler, and he doesn't have to be because in 2019, when he was wrestling Cody, he was a fucking great ass wrestler, putting on awesome matches with a kick ass crew. It was awesome. I loved it. But as comedy, Chris Jericho, I don't, I don't care for it so much. Uh, you know, MJF called out the fans for singing Jericho's theme music out of key. Do you know why he did that? Because he's a fucking heel. Yeah. That's what heels do. 
They get the crowd to boo them. Chris Jericho, no. He, he doesn't have the will to be a fucking heel. They want acclaim. They want adulation. They want downloads for the song. It's one of the problems with WWE is that they needed heels to have chants that the crowd could sing along with them. No. Chris Jericho, they should sing his music every time and Chris Jericho should come out and go, you're doing it wrong. I don't need you to sing my song. <laughs> That's what he should be doing. MJF showed him how to do it. A 23-year-old kid just showed a guy that's been in the business for forever how to get fucking heat. God forbid Chris Jericho get some heat on him. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that. Uh, but like, I know that I texted you at one point. I go, all right, so who's going? Who's supposed to be the babyface coming at? Because they're obviously building towards a match between the two of these guys. I don't know that for a fact. I, I don't, you don't think know, so. I don't know that he won't join the inner circle. I don't know that it won't happen. And it may, maybe there'll be a tenuous kind of relationship and someone will turn babyface out of it. I don't know. But I, I don't think they know. I think they have no idea. <laughs> I think they're just doing things. They've shown over and over again they have no ability to plan so many of these angles. So I don't know. Let's talk about Orange Cassidy well, and actually, Cody. Actually, you know what? I, I, I want to segue just slightly okay. off of this. Because at the very beginning of this segment, we had Sammy put into a very silly comedy spot by yeah, being like, "Of course, like put the jacket on." I don't want to put the jacket on. Like it, it, it doesn't. It's silly. Put the jacket on. Oh, look at the jacket's big for the little guy. And then later on, we had to believe him as this like psychopath. Uh, who is stalking Matt Hardy. Bingo. And I'm like, we just made him look like a fool earlier. Why? Because it's schizophrenic booking and it doesn't make sense. They don't care about that, Mike. They do not care. This is WWE level bullshit. Make someone look like a joke and then want me to believe that they're a badass within two segments of each other it's stupid it's idiotic and it's amateur so no they don't care about that and they won't they expect you to look at every segment as its own mini little tv show right we're the circus if you don't like the freaking guy taming the lion you're gonna like the clowns no it's a television show it's more like breaking bad right it's we need a a consistent universe you can't go from one segment of a guy being a dope and the next segment the guy being a badass it doesn't work that's why no one gets behind any of these matches and no one cares it's just the hardcore fans that will like anything that they put on that give them a pass on this stuff mm -hmm. well anyway let's finally get to talking about uh uh cody and orange cassidy let's do it i can't wait uh so <laughs> You you have uh, almost heat with Orange Cassidy. Um, you, what? I I don't want to paraphrase how you put it, but uh, something about how they have built towards him just doing a collar elbow tie up. 
this is somehow supposed to be impressive that, you know, we FTR came in and had to tell us that it was a big deal that they were going to have rules in their match. And now we're running a mini angle within a match where I can't believe Orange Cassidy can do a collar and elbow tie up. This is insanity. This is the strangest professional wrestling promotion. This is weirder than the ECW because at least that was all stupid hardcore matches where people beat the piss out of each other. This is so schizophrenic that it's insane. I will reiterate this again before I rip into this fucking thing and rip Orange Cassidy to shreds. Orange Cassidy, as a character, I think he has charisma. I think there's a likability to him. He is undersized, greatly undersized. He has a natural charisma about his way. It's the reason why the people that like him actually like him. I don't think they're crazy. I think they're seeing something in him. If he was this, I don't give a shit. I I like his promos when he gives a thumbs up to say he's going to fight somebody. I like all that. But the second he gets in the ring, he should fight. He should be an underneath baby face fighting for his life, using speed and agility and wrestling skills to try to best a person who is better than him. Cody Rhodes is better. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's a bigger star. If he he's was blonder. that, he's blonder. Well, he, yeah, again, <laughs> this strangely, because Cody's going through a mid- midlife crisis. If that was the character we had, I could get behind it. I'm okay with the silliness on the ramp for a promo. I'm okay with the silliness in a pre-tape. But the second you get into a match and throw those stupid little comedy spot kicks when you're supposed to be fighting for a title and that guy doesn't bludgeon you in the face repeatedly until you you can't move anymore, I go, well, this is stupid and I don't have any, I, I don't want to put my time into it. I think Orange Cassidy as a character can work. But this isn't the way to do it. And at the start of this match, when they had them doing all the technical wrestling, he was doing it in slow motion and in jello. It was sad. At one yeah, point, they're... he went to grab a wrist, and Cody had to actually put his arm back behind him and assist him. It was so contrived when he was doing all this really impressive grappling when it was really just a guy who should not have been doing that stuff on camera. There, there was some of that chain uh, combination stuff uh, especially that went into pinning combinations that did look like it was in ultra slow motion. And I was like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, wait, I've only had two beers. Like, <laughs> like this isn't me. It's not ready uh, for like, prime time, man. He, yeah. he, if he, he can do that stuff. And if he can do it, he's got to work on it and work it and work it in the in, in a house show in independence until he can do it so smooth and so clean that you're like, oh, this guy can do this thing. What it looked like was an amateur dude who shouldn't be on TV doing stuff that exposes the fact that Cody is letting him do this stuff to him. Benefit of the doubt. It takes two to tango. I just mm-hmm. threw two cliches out there. Okay. Like it could be that uh, Cody's just not familiar with him. Uh, Possibly. Enough. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Maybe Orange yeah, can do they, all that stuff. We we have seen Orange do a, a number of those things with people before, and it looks I've smoother seen, than that. You know what? Point 
point to you, my friend. I have seen him do some of that stuff better. Not all, all that. I, I thought some of it was maybe new or thrown in, but okay, I'll give you that. I, I feel like that's that's a lot of his offense is uh, quick uh, pinning combinations, especially with like tilt a whirl type of uh, or arm drag type of stuff uh, worked in there. And I, I I feel like it's it's usually been smoother than that. This match in particular looked in slow motion, uh, and I know that Cody's a good wrestler. And I've seen Orange do that stuff before. It just seemed like a little of butting heads and like just not being on the same page there. And that's shame because I, I think that they they have the ability, the two of them, to do that stuff better than what they did. Um, we we got the time limit draw out of this, a thing that you were clamoring for in Cody's first reign as TNT champion. I love this as a finish. I just don't love it with this guy. Yeah. If he goes to a time limit draw with orange Cassidy, how is he going to beat anybody else? Cause I know they make this guy a star in their own minds, but he's not, he's an under, he's a small dude who goes out and does comedy spots in the middle of title matches. And, and, I, and, and I, I, I know that's for some people, but I'll never get behind that. I'll never see this guy as a legitimate threat. Or and a legitimate Excalibur wrestler. even said that he was wasting his time, like, or, or to not waste his time in the last minute because Justin Roberts announced there's one minute left. And like, oh, he's just kind of uh, hulking himself up in the ring. At one point, he had to do the stupid shin kick spot because, you know, you got to give the people what they want. And instead of it, once again, instead of it resulting in Cody just punching him in the face repeatedly to show how ignorant and disrespectful it is, the result of that spot was actually Cody selling on the outside. How? How How is that the response to that? How was that the response to that? How was that the next sequence of moves unless the person getting those stupid kicks is a fucking moron? And that's my problem. That's my problem with it. Uh, I, I, I think there could be something with a guy like Orange Cassidy, but it's it, it has to come down. It's not for me. He did a patty cake spot. That's the only way I can describe it. He did patty cake on his chest. He literally lightly... He hit Cody on his chest with all the force and vigor that my two and a half year old son does to me. And it was supposed to be an offensive move. How do you not have a guy walk back from the curtain and have a producer, someone from the company going, don't ever do that again? It was terrible. This was a terrible match. It it stretched every bit of incredulity that you can possibly ever think of. And they teased Co- Cody being a heel again multiple times. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Let him be a heel and let him defend that title like we talked about with nothing but time limit draws. I love it. I love a time limit draw. But not with this fucking guy. And I know they think he's their golden goose and they get high half hour ratings with him. I have to believe, and I could be proven wrong with this, 
his ceiling has gotten about as high as it's going to go. Because I don't see a bunch of non-AEW fans tuning in going, I'm on the Orange Cassidy bandwagon. He ain't The Rock. He ain't Stone Cold. He ain't Holland Nash. He ain't Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. He's not the next big star. I, I, th- I could be wrong. Maybe he is the next big thing in the professional wrestling industry, and I'm completely wrong, and the business has passed me by, and it's just not for me anymore. But if that ain't the case... Yeah. Um, before going to the main event, anything uh, specific else that you want to mention? Matt Hardy came out a month ago and said, I'm going to go away for a little while. A little while was one week. He showed up every week since then, helped private party, cut bad promos. Matt Hardy has been hit in the head one too many times. He he has a hard time cutting it, even a promo without stumbling over his words. Yeah. And the match that is going to continue with the comedy wrestler, as we talked about, who is Sammy Guevara, it hasn't been going on as long as Rollins and Mysterio, which I don't know if you know this, is still happening. Rollins and Mysterio are still in a feud on the main roster of WWE. I think it's been going on for seven years. It hasn't been going on that long, but it feels like it has and should have ended a couple months ago. Jesus. But yeah, that that was my only uh, my only critique of that. And then the title match, yeah. So we had early in the the show brawling going on between these two guys, two different segments. I like that, by the way. And this leading into them creating the match being a no DQs match. And uh, uh, I'm sorry that I'm stumbling over my words, but I'm having a hard time uh, putting this into real words. So Lance Archer has new music and a helmet. (laughs) We're now dubbing him as part of the interesting helmet society. With Shotzi Blackheart and Hulk Hogan from 1989. I believe 89. I'm just throwing that. I'm pulling my out of my ass. Look it <laughs> I'm up, just guys. I'm going to go with yes. Look at Hulk Hogan's helmet, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, he's also blonde too. So uh, him and him and Cody had a dye job uh, day uh, that they they just went to the salon and got their their hair dyed at the same time. And this was. Meh, meh, of a match to me. Lance Archer. Has there been someone in AEW so far who has less has who has had less direction, uh, less of a legitimate push, who has been in more prominent matches? Lance Archer is big. He has a very unique look. That's redundant, by the way. Very unique and unique. But he has a unique look. He has a manager of one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. And I'm pretty sure that on television he's lost more matches than he's won. Because I think he's only had one or two squash matches that I can remember. And the rest of the time he's been just being beat by Cody, beat by Moxley. 
he's just another guy. And by the way, that's okay. Sometimes, even back in the territory days, you'd bring in an unstoppable heel and they get beat by the babyface relatively quickly. But this guy... I don't know if they don't see things in him or he couldn't be a big a big star for them. It's fine if they're just using him to put over others. But from my recollection, he fought Cody three months ago, four months ago for the TNT championship, whatever it was, when when Jake the Snake was trying to molest Brandy or something. There was There was some kind of angle with that. And in between that and him fighting for the championship... I don't think I ever saw him win a match on TV. They didn't take a guy who they brought in to be a monster, have him lose something, then build him back up to have him lose again. That's what you do. You you rehab a monster. You let him get some wins back and be menacing again and have him then challenge your champion. They just have the guy beat up random nobodies in the locker room and use that as his uh, trying to rebuild the heat for the guy it's it's just back it's not even backwards it's it's not the way anyone has ever built a wrestler before and it's sad that they think this is what the presentation of, of someone should be i did not care about this match because i do not care about lance archer he's never done anything to make me care about him other than his early vignettes. But once he lost to Cody, and I feel like he had another... I feel like there was another I, big angle he was in at some point that he lost. But maybe it was just Cody and Moxley now. I, I can't remember anymore. I can't remember. The other thing of, of, of note that, that I recall of him was a very short feud with uh, Joey Janela. And that <laughs> match was not like should have been a squash and went way longer than it should have been. Yeah. I, I just, I, I can't remember why I'm, this is the thing. I can't remember what he's done because none of it's mattered. And he's a big dude who is, he's a decent wrestler. I mean, he's not great, but he could be something, especially in a company with so many undersized people, but they just done nothing to make me care about him. And, Moxley is a really, at this point, a very unimpressive champion. He doesn't put on great matches. He cuts pretty good promos. Moxley's a good promo. Yeah. But he ha the only good program Moxley has had is with Jericho in the entire company, in my opinion. That was a good program. That was a really good program. Yeah. They, they busted his eye with a spike. They did some good things with Moxley there. He has had nothing to work with since then the stuff with brody sucked the match was okay there just hasn't been anything with it but the monster guys they brought in the big guys with brody and lance archer and brian cage they're just bodies they never made them special so when he when moxley or cody beat them it doesn't make them better they're just things that happened and at some point, you forget about them. Like I've forgotten about most of Lance Archer's run, by the way. And that's, uh, that makes sense. I mean, at this point, Lance Archer, head back to Japan, man. 
I mean, if, unless they're going to actually build this guy up to do something, give him a give him a squash every week for a month, and then get him into a program. You talked about a program with Joey Janela. Get him in a program with Sean Spears or some undercard guy that he can beat in an actual program. And then rehab him to the point where we actually think he could take a title. Not a single human being alive thought that Lance Archer was going to beat John Moxley. If you thought that, you're an idiot. Speaking of Sean Spears, we had a vignette with Sean Spears that I loved uh, with him apparently having issues with Scorpio Sky and SCU to a, a greater, maybe or a lesser extent. I didn't know that this was a feud. Well, this is a feud also that I'd like to see. They've uh, they've alluded to it a couple. Uh, they did it at least last week, where when SCU was going out, uh, Spears was there to kind of say something to Scorpio Sky. So they've alluded to this. And I listen, Sean Spears, he's got a good look. He can talk a little bit. He's been a non-factor in AEW, and now he has a black glove. And his manager is much more important to the best tag team in the world. So I don't think this is going to mean a whole hell of a lot for him. But he's got some potential. He could be a much bigger deal than he is right now. And no, okay. But I'm just saying that this story is is something that like I feel like is basic, and I could get behind, especially sure. from two talented workers like him and Sky. Uh, no, I, I, I'm I into it, man. Like I have been left out in the dark on this for uh, a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's been brewing at least for a week, maybe a little bit longer. Apparently, the whole thing started off as an angle on dark, which please stop pretending Left that people watch. in the dark. Yeah, but please <laughs> stop pretending we watch dark. I, I have these as my notes, and I did not mention these, and I would be remiss if I did not. Um, Moxley took Archer's finish. Finish. Yeah. No sold it and pinned him. Moxley yeah. took Archer's finish completely null sold it and pinned him well the first the first move of the entire match was archer taking moxley's finish yeah just stupid i mean that's just idiotic an agent is dean malenko still working there who's telling them not to do this shit and then at the end of the entire night i almost texted you this but then i had we had to get on this call so we didn't i didn't do it but Moxley is a fucking idiot. Guys that have wanted to kick the shit out of him and have for weeks are now being his friend and holding his hand up for way too long. And Moxley's not getting the hell out of Dodge, not being skeptical, just like, well, I guess these guys are my friends now, so I'm going to stand in the ring with them and they're going to hold my hand up multiple times. When your champ is a chump, why should we care? This is, and I say this with no love, WWE level nonsense. Moxley has, has tried to show himself as as MJF would say, stone cold cosplay. Don't trust anybody, Moxley. If someone who beat you up last week wants to raise your hand this week, why don't you wall the ring and get the hell out of Dodge? But he stayed in there, took a bunch of beatings, 
It was stupid. It makes him look like a fucking moron. Look, Kevin, if you were to kick the shit out of me with two other guys for the last two weeks (laughs) on Wednesdays and to also then say to me, Hey, Mike, remember those times that we that the the times that we had drinks in Philly (laughs) and I'd be if I was like, oh, yeah, those were good times. We're friends again. Right. I deserve to get my ass kicked. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, because you'd be a chump. Yeah. Champ is a chump And Moxie's title reign has been lackluster at best. He doesn't need this. He doesn't need to look like a moron. Baby faces who are oblivious, uh, that's not a good trope in professional wrestling. It took way too long. It was yet another segment that you're just going, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to, oh, it just happened. I didn't feel bad for Moxley. If I was at that show, I would not be screaming for the heels to stop. I'd be going, Moxley, you're an idiot and you deserve everything you're getting right now. Because you're a moron. You stood in the <laughs> ring and let them raise your hand, I think, four times. That's not the response you're looking for. This yeah. was a terrible show, Mike. This was a terrible show. It did nothing to make anyone look better. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel slightly bad because I was like, oh, we should watch this. And we normally would have watched NXT because it's that we turn in rotation. Yeah. But I was like, oh, let's watch AEW. It's their anniversary show. Like, uh, I'm glad I didn't say, like, how bad could it be? Uh, because that would have really uh, put myself in a, a tight spot. The first half of the first match was really good. the first half of the first match was really good and the mjf and jericho stuff was at times very entertaining because mjf is very entertaining but no it was just bad man it's just it's just it's bad wrestling it's bad angles it's unbelievable it's poorly shot it's poorly presented and uh, replays on tv jim ross has to cover for the fact that the ref was counting in absolute slow motion when, uh, you know, the, the opening tag team match was on the outside and I had to go, you know, the ref is kind of counting slow in his own cadence. And I like it, by the way, because <laughs> he, he feels like he has to cover up for people like us that are going, well, OK, are they ever going to count these fucking people out? Your announcers have to cover for the stupidity of the way your matches are booked. Every week. At some point, Uh, they either have to tell Jim Ross, hey, stop being logical and just drink the Kool-Aid. Or change your fucking presentation. uh, I... uh, Yeah. I wanted to bring up to you... uh, I'm completely changing the subject here. No, please Uh, do. What happened at the... Apparently, it happened at the end of... NXT this week. So in two weeks, we are getting a special edition of NXT television, Halloween Havoc. And you know who the poster child is? Shotzi Blackheart. My favorite person who can go (laughs) away and never come back. Shotzi Blackheart, the worst character in professional wrestling. She drives a children's toy tank to the ring, folks. You love her. 
Oh, this is like, I feel like we have to watch this just to spite you of sorts. Oh, no. So Uh, do you remember you're you're a Simpsons fan, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the Halloween, the Halloween episode? Everything's tying in. There was a Halloween episode where Bart gets uh, a talking crusty doll. And it's a mm-hmm. Gremlins spoof. And Homer yeah. goes in and he goes, well, the doll is cursed. And he goes, that's bad. But it comes with a free Frogurt. That's good. That's good. Yeah. The, the Frogurt is high in potassium benzoate. That's bad. But it comes with a free choice of toppings. That's good. Yeah. That is how I feel about Halloween Havoc. Ha- Halloween Havoc. <laughs> like, Halloween Havoc's coming back. That's good. But Shotzi Blackheart is the spokesperson. That's bad. But it's going to have some good matches. That's good. But Shotzi Blackheart's gonna be the host that's bad like it's it's just uh it, it giveth and it taketh away it just does yeah uh we're, we're going to have the uh spin the wheel make a deal where <laughs> she's going to uh determine the stipulations oh, oh this is real yes this is real oh jesus christ uh she's going to determine the stipulations of uh the Io Shirai, uh, Candice LeRae title match and the uh, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano title match. We're getting rematches for both of them? Yep. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, it works. That's really bad. We, 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 we settled those issues. We don't need them anymore. Io Shirai and Candice LeRae don't need to wrestle anymore. We don't also need to see vignettes where they buy a flat screen television in their shitty condo in Orlando with Gargano and Larray, which happened last week as well. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Kevin. I, I just, I just want to watch Finn Balor against Kyle O'Reilly. That's what I want to watch. I want to watch it over and over again and pretend that's what wrestling is for the most part. Uh, that that would be great. Wouldn't it? <laughs> would. And, and anything with Timothy Thatcher. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy who, like, I would love to see a lot more of. But anyway, thank you for even making my night even worse by hearing that they're doing all of this. Because I did not know that they were doing rematches from those angles that I was hoping were completely done. I'm sorry. That's okay. Hey, listen, it happens. And I will watch this, and I will insult Chauncey Blackheart the entire time, and, <laughs> you know, it'll be a great evening. Like, fuck, I hate this. I'm going to watch it, but I will insult her. I will I will do my best to come up with new creative ways to tell people how awful Chauncey Blackheart is and how I want her to go away forever. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Done. All right. Um, anything else that you want to touch on before we uh, I hope, shove off I here? hope not. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, once again for joining us. Uh, we will be back here next week talking about more wrestling. NXT uh, next probably, week, right? What? NXT finally next week? Yes, yeah. we, we will talk NXT next week. Um. Yeah, uh, for Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll be back here next week to talk NXT. Good night. Good wrestling.